Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of. One that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Smart journalism, fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Elon buys Twitter. Spotify's abyss. And are managers paid enough? You're listening to The Biz Tape. Welcome to The Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcast. I am Colin McKay, your host with my lovely co-host, Joseph Wazileski. Here I am. Here we are. Lovely as always. <laughs> well, you know, you have your ups and downs. That's uh, true. That's true. <laughs> you can't. I mean, you got to keep me humble. How can you be? Lo- that's true. I, there are some times where I don't call you lovely, and I, wanted, I get very offended. I wanted when you, you don't. to take note of that. No. <laughs> I do. I every time I check it off, and I'm like, call yeah, me, call I'm me like, man, today. he's missed his. I don't know skincare routine. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, any we appreciate y'all listeners, and then we got our socials. At the biz tape. That was, a, that was a hell of a transition. It was a, it I'm was calling a, you out for that. Yeah. As well as calling you out. I will take away the lovely from my name as well for yeah. the remainder of this well, episode. Well, anyway, you can follow us on our socials <laughs> at the biz it. tape um, or email us at the biz tape podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. So, Colin, we, we got a lot. We, we got a week. lot going on. Um, we're we always bounce. do. We say that every single time. Well, because it's just been, I guess let's, let's stop saying it because it's kind of like all over the place, but I'm sure we're going to say it. So hold us to it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, first thing is kind of this episode, we got a lot of DSP streaming kind of information and social media stuff. So I thought we would start off with some Spotify fun facts to prove the terrible dystopian wasteland that, that all, is Spotify. That is Spotify <laughs> and that all artists live in. So 
I thought this was insanely interesting. If you guys do not know the publication, Music Business Worldwide, one of the favorite articles that I love they do is they do a stat of the week, which is, you know, you get bang for your buck because it's more than one thing. It's not just like, hey, Spotify makes money. Stat mm-hmm. end. No. Uh, so the point is, is that like when they do these articles, they usually have one stat they center around and then they give you a bunch of stats. In this case... It's about Spotify. Uh, Spotify launched a site, which is a very strange name. It's called Loud and Clear, mm. which is very, uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave that there. Anyway, uh, it's Loud and Clear, and the shite, the, like the, the shite, the, <laughs> the site is supposed to be where all of their streaming data can be viewed. Yeah. To be, you know, transparent. And is this launched by Spotify itself? This is launched is by Spotify rate? itself. Okay. So, We'll get to it later, but some of the numbers are not very favorable. Mm-hmm. So it seems pretty unbiased. And obviously this could be fact checkable because it's pulling a lot of numbers like monthly streaming numbers and stuff like that. So if somebody really wanted to do an independent fact checking, they have the ability to do it. Yeah. But I think you'll see that they're not really holding punches against themselves. Okay. So they're literally talking shit about they, Well, I mean, they're not talking shit. They're just putting... I, I should say this. There's been numbers. some great journalism here by Music Business Worldwide because they took this tool and they used it to do a lot of math to figure out other statistics that aren't, you know, written in font on the front page. Gotcha. So stuff where it's like 20% of artists have this, they would calculate what the number is for the other 80%. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's how they would do it to get a lot of these numbers. So I thought we'd play a guessing game with it, Joe, kind of like all the way back to our when we first talked about DMX. And everything, and we played a game there where I would have you try to guess some of these numbers. And if you're playing at home at your <laughs> biz tape board game, you know uh, you can uh, try to guess along. So first thing, the, a lot of these are percentages. I will say, so think in percentages. Mm-hmm. There's eight million artists on Spotify. Okay. What percentage of that eight million have fewer than ten tracks or songs in total? Oh, what percentage of eight million? I would say I think it's high. I think it's I think it's gonna be eighty-five percent. Eighty-five. Well, you're not that far off. We're at sixty-seven percent. Okay. Which honestly was pr- pretty uh like pretty representable in my opinion. Like I was like, Oh, okay. So people People are are actually uploading. Yeah. It seems like they're putting out albums and not songs. Yeah. And a lot. It's not SoundCloud. Right. I mean, still 67%. I mean, and that kind of goes against the narrative that everyone just works in singles Mm -hmm. because there's still 40, you know, people who have 10 or more tracks are, you know, numbering out a lot of these lower, you know, one song, one song, one song. Yeah. So what percentage of artists are making $50,000 a year off of Spotify? <laughs> I'm going to say just Spotify. 3%. Uh, it was, I'm sorry, you're, you missed a decimal there. 0.2%? 0.2%. 0.2% of people are making $50,000 oh, a year off of Spotify. That's... Abysmal. So, first things first, obviously, and wherever you live, 50,000 American dollars could go a very long way and be very significant. It is above, you know, the median wage in the United States. But still, 0.2 is a very low number. Mm-hmm. And I also, I guess, got to give credit to Spotify is most people do not limit themselves just to Spotify, but Spotify is arguably probably top two DSPs in the world. Mm-hmm. So, you would probably be making a lot of your money there in the first place. 
Yeah. And point two is not very good. It's not good at all. <laughs> Especially if it's not you and you have family or other people that rely on you for that kind of money. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. What percentage of songs, like the individual tracks, have less than 100 plays each? Less than All songs plays. have less, out of all Ooh, the songs, less than 100 be high. plays it's each. It's going to be high. I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be 75%. Well, you would be pretty far off, but it's oh. still a lot. Uh, it's still a lot. Okay. Have less than 100 plays. It's 22%. 22%. 22% wow. of them. That's have, better than I thought. Right. And so that, but that's still 17.5 million songs. Yeah. So like. So it's. <laughs> It's a lot. That's how many, like, that's only one fifth amount that's on Spotify. Yeah. So it's close to a hundred million songs that are on Spotify. Mm -hmm. Now, same thing. What percentage of songs have less than 500 plays? Um, let's say, let's say, uh, let's say 30%, 35, 51%. Oh no! Fifty per you have a fifty-fifty shot, like of getting of getting, of getting past five hundred. Yeah, well, obviously there's variables to do that, but yeah, you have fifty percent of these songs have less than five hundred plays. Whoa! In total, that's insane. So, how many streams on a song would you think you would need to be to be in the top twenty percent of stream songs on Spotify? Uh, how many streams? Yeah, um, I, I'd say. I mean, it, you would have to be in the millions. It's, so it, it would be, I don't know, I, I think it like over 10 million. You really think that? Over 10 million? We'll go maybe, maybe well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> maybe 100 million. 100 million. To be in the top 20% of all of Spotify in terms of just raw plays, you only need more than 5,000 streams. Wait, what? That Think about it. There's, I, I told you that 50% of the songs have less than 500 plays. Oh. So in order of magnitude oh, higher at 5,000, oh, okay. you would be in the top 20% of songs on Spotify. I need to go back to grade school. Top 20%. <laughs> there are very few times in people's lives that can say they're in the top 20%. But if you literally have 5,001 streams, you were in the top 20% of the entirety of Spotify. That's insanity. Yeah. That's how much competition there is, though. Yeah. And that's how much you know spreading there is, too. And then we got our last one. What percentage of those 8 million artists have less than 50 monthly listeners? Hmm. Percentage of those 8 million artists that have less than 50 uh, monthly yeah. listeners. I'm going to say... I'm just going to go high again. I'm going to say like 80%. 80%. That's exactly what it was. Nearly 80. uh, Okay. Nearly 80%. 78.4% of them have less than 50 monthly users or listeners. Ending on a high note for me. Honestly, but are, a low note for there a low no, a high note for Joe, a low, a note, low note for, for the entire industry. yeah for almost you know six million people. Anyway, so at least Joe won out of this. That's what I call not listen to music. Hell yeah! Um, but yeah, it, it that's how much lost in the sea people are. It's streaming. Hmm. It's crazy to think about that you could be in the top twenty percent of streams and only have five thousand streams when we're used to seeing like you know, a Drake number of streams yeah. or, you know, and you think like, wow, now they're really successful. Well, by percentage wise, you're killing it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you have 5,000 streams and then on top of that, the soul crushing thing that you are 
lost in the sea of people if you cannot make past 50 streams a month. Yeah. You're part of the 80%. I, th- I do feel like that's... I mean, if you're only making 50 streams, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I guess it's you 50 have to be monthly. zero promotion. I will say it's 50 monthly listeners, which I, is okay. a little bit a little bit more because yeah. it's like the idea that there's individual IPs being calculated and like yeah, and this fluctuated after over time and, and like they changed the formula so it's more than 50 streams. It's okay. just they have a different algorithm for listeners. I do still feel like that's like zero promotion. Like you have to put in zero promotion, and I'm I'm gonna be honest. It's like if you put in a a like okay amount of promotion, you're going to get some streams. You could be it. above this 80 percent. Yeah, but at the same time, what's interesting to me? Do you really think that? Uh, do you think streaming platforms promote diversity in listening at all? Um, I'm going to say no, especially just thinking about my Spotify front page. Well, I, the same thing. I was going to bring up my personal experience, but you go first. Well, I mean, Spotify used to, I remember when we were in college and like it was, um, it was just past the hump of Taylor Swift came back on the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, I kind of feel like that's the golden age of streaming, mostly because you could really discover artists I on your you front page. Like, Taylor Swift wasn't there. Well, <laughs> golden <laughs> <No>. age, no. <laughs> But you could really discover artists and like Spotify was very active in pushing like indie artists to your face, basically. I feel like that was a lot of their promotions though, because the idea of streaming, like when it was a it was new a do idea, it yourself. It was indie. do it yourself and you could access anything for yeah. a very low so I feel like that was part of their business model was showing off like you have access to everything. So they wanted to promote the diversity. Yes, but now that but streaming now it's is normal. funneled into whoever's the most popular and then whatever happens, if even if you th- even if you show a little minimal interest in top forty, you're just gonna get top forty. Right. On your front page. And like that's something that a lot of artists have come out. Um, Patrick Carney actually talked about it um, in an interview from the Black Keys. Um, from the Black Keys, he's yeah. the drummer. And he talked about it, um, about how I it actually might have been Joe Rogan. Uh, and this was before I think Joe Rogan went kind of nutso. But anyways, he was still interviewing like artists and stuff like that. But they he talked about how the splits, which we've talked about on this podcast, is like the splits is unfair for artists on streaming platforms because a lot of the money gets pooled out to the top earners. Correct. And it, and it doesn't get pulled out to... The low stream number. So they're incentivized to have less diversity to get these payouts higher that they're because, also... Yeah, and, and because of exclusive deals, too. Yeah, too. Um, and so because of how it's kind of turned into the age of streaming and, like, this is, you know, what... Yeah, it's no longer new media anymore, right? It's media now. Uh, yeah, and um, I definitely think the like I'm saying is like the streaming marketing has changed. I think yeah. part of it was, hey, this is a new way to it experience music. It was the underdog. Music. It was trying to get that that niche audience. Oh, in. I definitely think that. But I, I like what I want to hit on is the idea of like when you first were marketing, hey, come stream with us, you know, on Spotify. People had to be explained streaming. So mm-hmm. the idea was. You know, our product is great, but people are just floored right now by the idea of streaming. Yeah. So that was a big part of the marketing of it is that you can access music everywhere. If you want an older example, that's what the iTunes store was like, too, when it first came out. Mm -hmm. You can access all this plethora of music and all this kind of stuff. And so streaming in general took that and went, hey, for $10, $15, $20 a month, 
you can access all of music. But since now that we're used to it, you can't really use that as a play of like, hey, this is why streaming is awesome. It's like, yeah, we all know this. There's Amazon, there's Apple, there's Tidal, there's you know Spotify itself. So like the idea of streaming isn't fancy anymore. So I feel like they worked away from that and they went, okay, well, let's talk about the price. Let's talk about the features you get. And let's talk about exclusive deals we have with artists and the ease of use of using our service. Or like all of that was now the main focus. So there's not really a drive for them commercially to promote diversity of music when it comes to listening. Like, for instance, I guess I'll rip into my little bit experiences. YouTube music for me has a discover mix. Mm-hmm. And first off, it rarely shows up, which I definitely think is planned. Yeah. Like even, you know, we talk about it every like, week. We don't really want you to discover. Well, we talk about it every week, like what I, you know, listen to, or you listen to at the end of the show. And, I have to branch out and f- actively fight the system yeah. with stuff. And I actively have to be a nerd and go, well, let's go down like four Wikipedia pages or something mm-hmm. and like see what I find because I like this person or this producer. And this and the service just doesn't want to... It doesn't like, reflect that. Well, it just doesn't want to add features to enable that. So the Discover Mix, one, doesn't show up a lot for me. Two, if I find it and I like have to literally physically look it up on the search bar a lot of the time... It has a lot of songs that are either artists that I already listen to, and sometimes it's just one songs I already know, to songs that are just different versions of songs that I already know. The remix. Right, exactly. (laughs) Or three, it's just like complete shot in the dark kind of songs, but it's it just doesn't feel like uh it doesn't feel natural in their algorithm. It doesn't feel like a natural extension. Like, oh, hey, yeah, you you are making the decision, right? It's not. It's not tr- trying to make it easier. It for feels you. like instead of being like, here's a discover mix, we used your information actually not to just sell data about you. We actually used it to help our service. Mm-hmm. It feels like more of like, okay, we'll give them, you know. Quick and easy. I'm just going to look at this information. Uh, Colin likes Lewis Cole, uh, Harry Chapin, all these kind of people. Cool. Give them that. And then like, let's just throw one shot in the dark and just go, there you go. That's your discover mix. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes into our conversation about streaming being stagnated a couple episodes too, especially mm-hmm. with features. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. I do. I, I had a, I have a bunch of frustration with that too, because it, it did used to be so much better. In my well, I remember you specifically a couple of years ago before we even started the pod started complaining about Spotify just put you in this like indie boy rabbit hole. Yeah. And you were like, I'm trying to I, find you listen new to cor- like a chorus pedal one time, Colin. And right. it thinks it thinks you have cuffed jeans and and a middle part, which I do. Well, you're just but sitting there. And you're I don't like, want to know that. Well, right? you're just sitting there, and then the Spotify thing. It's like I like to imagine things. It's like your friend that knows something that you don't, but you already know it, and are like, "Hey, guess what? Have you heard of Mac DeMarco two? And they're <laughs> like, like you, you're "This like, is the, the fuck only are album. You? What are you talking? This about? is the only album you're going to listen to for the next three years, <laughs> right? It's like it would literally be like for Mike for like you know other cases it would be like. Yeah, Colin, we know you like classic rock. Have you listened to this indie band called Aerosmith? <laughs> like, that's what it feels like my YouTube music does to me a lot. I'm like, okay, thank you. I get it. I've listened to it. Yeah, this. they're on the come up, Aerosmith. Yeah, I think I think they're going to make it. They might make it. Who knows, though? If only he was a country musician is what everyone thought. <laughs> and thankfully, he is now. No, anyway, that's yeah. a different story. 
But yeah, Joe, I mean, it's it's crazy to think about how the business model of streaming has changed because it it used to be so discovery oriented, and then they just shifted towards. Well, we got. I get profit. it. It's a comfort food thing. It's the same reason why you know, an HBO paid like a hundred <laughs> yeah, million if, if dollars Netflix, for Friends. And Netflix had an audio thing. It would just be Seinfeld friends <laughs> but i get it because people want to be comforted by media and music specifically mm-hmm. but at the same time it just feels like that you're not even offering the tools to even try because you're I, really hindering the community and the main like. example that i would say that was launched into huge you know and people still go against it and we brought it up before i guess it's weird to kind of be like now this is nostalgic but pandora Pandora, that was the bread and butter of Pandora. It figured out what you like and tried different stuff. And that was the huge thing with Pandora at the time and what made it unique. It just never evolved, which is why it never went away. But there was, I, I have seen nothing on major DSPs such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, and all of those that has actually come close to being like, guys, we have the algorithm yeah. for you to actually help you find new music. I think I think the the way to find new music in, in with Spotify especially is playlisting. I think as a as a casual consumer um, but, but you do also have to dive through artist pages and like you what I used to do and this actually helped me a lot when I was like kind of like A&R hunting a little bit, you know, like you know, seeing who I thought was going to be the next whatever is like I would go down and I'd go to the artist that sound like thing or whatever. Right, mm-hmm. like the the thing at the bottom, and then I would just kind of go through those, and like a lot of the times they do sort of sound like them, but a lot of the time it's it's just they're paired together because either they're either they're in the same vicinity, or they run in the same circles. It's actually kind of insane because like we know people who are artists here in Nashville, and guess who their artists like they're similar. It's artists like our are. other it's friends. like other friends of ours. Yeah, and it's it's very. It's it's strange and it doesn't really change until you start getting those numbers up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things that you could really fall down rabbit holes. That I just, way. I, you know, but at the end of the day, I'm like, you guys are already taking our information. And yeah, make it, me and make you, me find something. Can we use it for using? Like, can we use this information, yeah. aka not to just sell to advertisers? Well, can and, we use it to provide experience? I can already hear the Spotify rep going. Well, we have Discover Weekly. Well, yeah, Discover Weekly used to be great, but now it gives me the same goddamn songs that I yeah, listen to. Yeah, and that's why I was doing my Discover Mix on YouTube Music. If you want to know my strategy, but it's not going to work for everyone, is you just be a big nerd, and I'm like sitting here, I'm like, um, Todd Rundrick also produced Grand Funk Railroads. We're an American band, so I probably would like that. But let's see, is this before Grand Funk Railroad became out of a trio or, at, you know, and I'm like, I don't expect anyone else to go through that hell. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> that's what I'm saying is like, it, it doesn't feel cohesive enough and it doesn't feel like there is a need for DSPs. But I do feel like since, especially since Pandora has been off the planet for mm-hmm. like five to seven years. Oh, they, a don't, they don't like to say that though, Colin. They, they like to say they're in their golden age. I will still say that Pandora rocks for one thing, and it's comedy. Yeah. And I have no idea why. I it would just, love it to really talk to whoever runs that. It really just that vein. Yeah, they somehow do it better than every other. Like, it, it, trust me, I, I get it. I don't mean to sound like I'm so old right now, but if you like comedy, download Pandora and literally just find a comedian. And I don't know how that algorithm works, but it will find the same kind of humor, the same kind of jokes, 
and just play the tracks from their albums out of order, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, it's crazy. But I, again, I didn't know this was going to end up with me in a rant being like, Pandora was awesome, but... I mean, uh, it was, and like, I, I've always thought, what if Spotify and Pandora combined? You know what I thought? Spandora. Let's get rid of iMessage. I've been looking for AIM Instant Messenger to come back <laughs> for 10, 20 years now, since I was five years old. Now, <laughs> I've been waiting for It'll it. It'll happen, Colin. We're having a resurgence. Did you see that now uh, with uh, Hyperpop, Windows XP is cool again? It's the worst you see one. That shit? God, no, uh, the worst one is Windows Vista. But Vista is the, the worst. By it's far. still not good. Like it's okay. See, I think <laughs> that Hyperpop. I think that Hyperpop because it shows you know the kids are younger. It's like Windows XP, but the people who were kind of doing experimental music before that, that's kind of in the in my opinion the same vein of kind of people was uh, vaporwave stuff, and they were like Windows nineteen ninety six baby. Yeah. So yeah. now is that gonna happen with music with electronic music? Like, am I gonna go five like ten, 20 years from now and they'll be like, dude? Windows 11, though. <laughs> Holy shit! They got those <laughs> curved fucking bezels, baby. <laughs> It's so retro. You got the curved bezels and the it ads before, in the file explorer. Before, <laughs> before the ape planet invaded the earth, it was such a different time. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> do you uh, do you see Hyperpop like surviving in the next year? I like, kind of already existing? see it dwindling yes. out. Like, I well, think yeah, but like, do you think it's going to be as like hype as it is now? Do you think it's going to be as hyper, Colin? I think it has kind of run its course in some ways. Um, I think Damn. there are people that still enjoy it. You a heard lot, it here, and folks. I like different parts, but I don't think it is a very hyperbolic like type of music, <laughs> like a disco was, where it was like this isn't gonna disco lasted longer than a year though. I mean, hyperpop's been longer than that. Like, what's it's bit, been like. Year and a half. I, I bet. Like. Well, I first feel like off, it really came. First off, if I look up hyperpop right now, I'm gonna get some Wikipedia article. Some, that's there's like, some... actually in 1975, hyperpop, <laughs> hyperpop was discovered. Existed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're saying like they're saying like Charlie XCX was hyperpop back in. Yeah, but in, she just came out with a record that's definitely not hyperpop. It's like it's it's just pop. Okay, I need. I to mean, look, I, I guess I it's need some to look into these influence. genres. I'm sorry, Charlie stands. I'm also Charlie Stan. It has some hyper pop elements, but I would not consider it hyper pop, if that makes sense. <laughs> hyper pop, this is the most cursed statement. Hyper pop may have been coined with SoundCloud's Nightcore music scene. <laughs> that sounds awful. What is Nightcore? Please tell me. Is that you like don't Moon Knight? Is that what Please, you do not to? know what Nightcore is? Somebody's losing their mind no. right now. What is Nightcore? I know, okay, Nightcore is a type of music. Where they would where they, take you only make okay, it in the night. Here, actually, Nightcore's kind of had a resurgence. Where if you guys know on TikTok, those songs that get big and they've just sped it up, like is that fu- that's Nightcore? That, no, that's it's fucking. That's not. what Nightcore is. Except it would usually be. I, I think it exclusively started really with like. So it's the opposite of vaporwave, where like they slow it down. No, yeah, it's sped up. It's okay. the antithesis of vaporwave, basically. So the idea is like you would take. A song, a lot of the times it would be, to be honest, a lot of weeby stuff. It would be like, you know, this anime theme song or something, and they sped it up. 
Okay. But they started doing it with other kind of music, and the point of it was is that it's a uh, it's it a various hype. speed. What's called various speed, uh, like speeding up a song, which means that the actual key goes up with the faster that it is, mm-hmm. it, and that's where it's from. And I have actually seen, and I'm glad you brought this up, a resurgence on TikTok of nightcore because people have been doing that with songs. Because before it used to be like, oh, this Doja Cat song. Yeah, we love it. We're just going to play it in our video. But now I've been seeing kind of a resurgence of people going, no, just speed up the song. I've like, there's that one that Willow does that I've been seeing getting sped up everywhere that everyone's using the sound for. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's kind of having a resurgence. Okay, I take it back. I didn't think this was going to end in Nightcore. (laughs) Here we Um, are. We're already halfway through the podcast. But (laughs) anyway, Joe, what are we doing non-nightcore related? Okay, well, I mean, unless you're a manager of a nightcore band, this could relate Dude, to Dude, hit me up. I would love to hear if someone's like, not not like your friend is your manager. I want to hear, I want to meet someone who's, who's like... A successful nightcore who's a success, manager? Who's like, I manage a couple acts that only do nightcore. I mean, I'm sure they exist. I know they exist. They're very yeah. hard to find, I would imagine. But you definitely need to hit us up. We'll have you on. I would, sure. I would. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. took a look at the front page of Billboard Biz today, you would have seen 
three articles all, all pertaining, pertaining to, to artist Nightcore. management. No, <laughs> uh, no. Yes. Um, but in relation to like artist development, day-to-day work culture, and manager payouts, and the article that I spoke like specifically drew from is quote, should today's artist managers get more than 20%? And it's by Elias Light and Light interviews artist managers old to new who are questioning whether the current payment model is adequate enough since many artist managers have to quote, put a lot of eggs into a few baskets end quote, as well as having to wear like many different hats that many in the industry do not necessarily have to do, which like, I will say, like, if you're working in the music industry, your your job description is not your actual job. Well, it's going to be, yeah, like, extended I, out. And I don't think that's necessarily right, but, like, at the same time, it is very common. Yeah, it's it's very much common. Um, and to be honest, a lot of it kind of draws into managers and working in a management. So many of the managers agree that with the current demand that entertainers have from fans, such as keeping an up-to-date image, social media presence, music recording, producing, ad placement, sync, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of those deals and content come from the manager directly, especially if you are starting out. So if you're a new manager, you gotta keep you're doing it cheap. all this shit. Yeah, you got to keep it cheap. Like you don't, maybe don't have that much money or maybe they're not paying you that much. So they're like, hey, can you like... I don't know, go on Canva and make me a little poster real quick instead yeah. of paying a graphic or, artist. Or, hey, I need a new press photo. Like, can we shoot this at your house? Or the worst idea, hey, I know you're a manager, but can we record my album and yeah. you do it? The <laughs> oh, worst idea. Anyway. No, it's it's bad. Or even better yet, if you're a manager playing in the band, Colin. Oh, God. <laughs> but even many management businesses are beginning to adapt by combining the management side of the business with publishing and pitching so that the managers at the top can still have their hand in the cookie jar, basically. Oh, you mean they get all around something. Like, let's say degrees-wise, like 360 degrees yeah, around something. Yeah, I would say, well, to be fair, you're already kind of getting that as an With artist manager. manager deal, yeah. right? Like, you're you're getting a percentage of what your I know, what your I'm just makes. pointing out that, like, this is where the record companies got this idea from. Because, like you're saying, that 20% yeah. is about, and we talked about it way long ago with... Um, with uh, Chance the Rapper and his manager mm-hmm. is that's 20% of like everything that you make through a certain amount of time where they're the manager and usually there's a clause that says after for this amount of time. Yeah, and I then there's like a sunset still. clause like if you get terminated, which they actually go into is like a lot of managers are actually um, easy to get out of and easy to fire because a lot of management agreements are spoken word agreements, which... Not a good. Generally, you shouldn't just do uh, a lot of time. I mean, if you're I, starting out, like, I will I, say, yeah. if you're starting out and you're test driving an artist and an artist is test driving you, generally it is known in the industry that you do not have a deal um, and you're going to kind of wait and just see what happens. You're just going to play that. it out and like, especially if, you know, you're like a little act and, you know, so your apartment's starting out and you have someone who's your manager, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't blame you for having that. But, but if like, you're managing Post Malone, you better have... A contract. It better be well put together. Both signs, you know, both signed. Everybody has read it. Lawyers looked at it. Yeah. Somebody looked at it. Who's not y'all because either one of you could get sued at the end of the relationship, you know, and that's, it's basically like having a prenup, right? uh, Basically, (laughs) I should make shirts for this is you do not want to pay the lawyers more fees than you need to. Absolutely. So at, at this point, it's important to point out that there have been a lot of management horror stories, like we've talked about before, like some taking 50% uh, 
um, and acting like they are a member of the band. Sweet. Uh, as well as having way too much power over artist decision in general. Um, but the vast majority of artists' management is still working under the artist who has majority say. So basically, if you're an artist manager, your boss is your artist. You are not the artist's boss. Now, in most, like, I would say better management, like, relationships with artists, it's you guys are partners, I feel like. You, yeah. you, come, across, you come at it as partnerships because the manager is bringing a lot of people. He's, they're pitching you. They are uh, getting you out into the limelight. They're making you create. Um, but you are also the person who's creating. I think this is time. an important thing is that a lot of people say when you start, you know, really getting serious about your music, you form a team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you have that relationship of like, you know, over and under and stuff and you're not, you know, co-working together to achieve something, then it's not going to work. Yeah. You know, you already have so many people, especially with a manager and an artist that you have to work under, like mm-hmm. the record label. Uh, you know, a venue that you got to show up at and make sure your show goes well and everything. Other producers and engineers you need to pay. So, like, there's no need to also throw in the mix of, like, adversarial. My manager is out there and is, like, under me, and I'm, like, all above him. Or worse, which is, like, where, you know, people who are high up in entertainment, who and it's always a power dynamic, and that's the thing you have to watch out for. But people who are high up in entertainment that go, yeah, I'll take you on. And yeah, the 50% thing, it's like, yeah, you know, I am, I'm this person's manager, so I can take 40 to 50%, but I'm going to make you $3 million. And I'm like, are you, are you really, are you going to to make you $3 million, but I'm going to take 1.5. Yeah. I'm going to take 1.5. And every time you have lunch or dinner, I'm going to (laughs) charge it to you. And yeah, that's the kind of stuff. I mean, this is without um, you knowing all the time. This is the exact story that happened to, in sync, right? In sync. Yeah. Yes. This is exactly what happened to In Sync. Is that I can't. I gotta look up the guy's name. But in In Sync, there's a great documentary actually on YouTube. Uh, they basically had a deal because they were kids and none of their parents knew about the uh, Lou Pearlman. Lou, that's who it is, Lou Pearlman, and he was the main manager of In Sync. And what he ended up doing was is that he like basically supplied all of their starting out because these were very you know kids who didn't have a lot of money. And so he would provide everything. He'd, you know, get them rehearsals. He would, you know, have a place for them to stay, buy them dinner, buy them food. And there's a notorious thing where they said the first time they got paid by their like first big record, they all had a dinner and he gave out like envelopes and checks to everyone at the dinner at this multi hundred dollar dinner. Yeah. And he was like, here you go, boys. This is what, you know, all your hard works for. And they, you know, they've been working 48 hours, you know, at a time going to shows, doing that and having four hours off, then going to show. They've been working for literally three or four years on this. Mm -hmm. And they literally get a check for like with their parents that are right next to them for like two grand each. That's abysmal. And they go, what the hell is this? And he goes, I've been charging you for everything that I bought. So any, anything like that? Why? Why? Okay, first off, why have that conversation during the dinner? Like, uh, that's the most awkward dinner situation. And this is the power (laughs) dynamic. He thought that he still had so much power over these kids that he could be like, aren't you excited that you actually got paid and that's it? 
yeah. and be like, aren't you just excited for that? But th- because they had their parents there and they were older, they immediately wised up and realized how bad of a situation it was. Mm-hmm. But that's a really bad example of a really shitty manager and a lot of different uh, struggles. So. Mm-hmm. You know, they're you know they're everywhere, man. Like yeah, I mean, there's snakes in the grass in this industry. I mean, and and sometimes the snakes aren't individual people; they're companies. So you have to you have to look out. Oh for yeah, them. and there's actually the scary part about companies too is they hide they have the anonymity of a company. Mm-hmm. So like you know the idea if you've ever seen any movie ever about like talent agents, especially with like movies and TV, they're always like, Oh, sorry, we haven't been getting your calls. Uh, My secretary sucks or something. That's what companies, if you have a shitty management company will do. Mm. Oh, sorry. I didn't see your email. Uh, yeah, I'm out of the office. Did nobody tell you that? The gaslighting? That's what people can use. I'm out of the office. I'm in Fiji right now. Right. Um, I'll be gone for the next five days. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's kind of the thing with this is like you ha- you are picking a member of your team. You have to be very careful who you pick for this, especially since manager is other than you top dog in the situation. They're making every decision yeah. either for you or you know with you. I've heard that the best way to go about like hiring a manager is that you need to view it as a marriage because oh, it could like end it could end very badly, but you want to go into it with the best of intention. And so sometimes it's best to AKA get a prenup with your manager, but like, you know what I mean? Like have, have everything above board and and make sure you're not going to get screwed over because at the end of the day, you just don't want to leave. It's it's like it's like you're having a garage this sale. This is a right? beautiful wedding. I know, I know, speech. I know. Sorry, uh, no. <laughs> uh, it's like you're having a garage sale, and you have you have the lockbox just kind of sitting with like a friend, but you're like, you know, you trust them, but at the same time, it's like I don't know this person that well yet. Well, you're right? you're business partners, right? So you have to really like there's a difference between being friends with people and being a business partner. Yeah. And that those are very different responsibilities. Some people are really good friends, some people are really good business partners, and hopefully your manager is both. Mm-hmm. Um but at the end of the day, yeah, you're trying to balance that. I definitely think that managers there's a balance between them about how much work they do and how much work uh they should give off to people. There's a I lot agree. of people. I think managers sometimes take on too much. Yeah, there's a lot of people that I've met personally, and I know um, my old joke of the momager uh, is uh, <laughs> one thing that I will say, where people try to do everything to save some money, and I understand, like get that grind, save where you want, but there's some things that you should not save money on. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, like, it, and that's kind of true in life as well. But like the idea of like, hey, we could, you know, you could stress about it and hopefully make a good product for, let's say, like a poster for a show or something that would be passable. Or do you want to pay like this guy, like, I don't know, 100 bucks, you know, to get it right, looks great. We know it's going to look great and not have to worry about it. So you can actually work on other things that are more the manager can only do this kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, like settlement or booking or something like that where you know, you can be freed up. It's a, it's a balance between, you know, being the one man machine and like actually saying like, Hey, no, you know, this, this could be done by somebody else, which is why I always joke as an audio person when people are like, Oh yeah, me and my manager were recording (laughs) this album. I'm like your main product, your main product 
that you do as a musician. You are that should be entitled to your manager who yeah. might not have experience. Better doing be God tier manager, man. Right, exactly. Like if they're like a manager and like a recording engineer and a producer already, sure. But a lot of them aren't. Mm-hmm. So like that's the thing. Like, and I will say that that's true. There are managers who have skills in different. I mean, there are managers who are brilliant graphic designers. Mm-hmm. There are managers who are great recording engineers and mixing engineers. There are ma- managers who are great booking, uh, you know, agents and stuff like that already. And use those pros, but know what you're bad at. Yeah. Because it's going to cost your whole entire brand at the end of the day. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. I mean, this is the spiciest. Yeah, uh, so news. this... Oh, my God. All right, here we go. <laughs> so Good old Twitter. Good old Twitter. Uh, Twitter. I don't know if you heard this. This uh, young philanthropist... He's on the come up. Who's on the come up. Elon Musk has bought Twitter for $44 billion. Yeah, and just a little bit of pocket Just change. a little bit. Everybody's got their own take about it. I feel like since we talk about social media and music a lot, we also have to talk about it. But I think maybe for some of you, if you don't really know 
like kind of what's been going on. This could be like for some people, it's like, oh, he's doing this. There was a lot going on, first off. Yeah. So, yeah, he's agreed to buy Twitter for 44 billion with the B dollars. Mm-hmm. And this was approved by the board unanimously. And like it's been crazy to follow because in one month, Elon has become one of Twitter's largest shareholders, was offered and turned down a seat on the board, and bid to buy the company in a month. Yeah. Which is crazy so month. much to keep up with. <laughs> um, Elon is buying all Twitter shares for $54.20, which means that if you own Twitter stock before Elon announced his first 15% stake he bought, you would now be up 38% in the stock. That's insane. So for the first time ever, people can actually thank Elon bros. <laughs> take it take it now, baby. Just just live in this moment if you're oh, over man. there with the Elon bros. It's disappointing. Anyway, <laughs> Elon said on the issue of him buying it, he said, quote, free speech is the bedrock of functioning democracy. And Twitter is the digital town space where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. Okay. Which, all right, that's a statement there. I get it. Uh, I mean, it's it's one thing to say it. Let's see if he acts on it. Anyway. I, I feel like the free speech thing, if we're really going down that rabbit hole, I mean, isn't 4chan a great example of oh God. non-moderated internet? And why it has problems. and So many problems. Right, exactly. So... I, I'm gonna go, we're gonna skip by that for now so I can get through the rest of the story. <laughs> In this statement on Monday, Musk said he wants to quote make Twitter better than ever by enhancing the product with new features, making the algorithms open source to increase trust and defend the spam bots, or defeating the spam bots and authenticating all humans. Which that authenticating all humans that's such a robotic thing to I know. say it, this is like lizard maybe we need conspiracy. to authenticate you Musk. apparently <laughs> well that was part of the problem funny enough is they were one that the money had to get authenticated which is really funny because i saw a lot of people go well elon musk doesn't have the liquidity just to give away all this money and then clearly it's like no he does um separately he said in a tweet monday that he hopes quote even my worst critics, critics remain on Twitter because that is what free speech means. Sure. So, so that that photo of him and and uh, Giselle Maxwell. Yeah, yeah. I hope stay that up. doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> sure. Also, I feel like Elon, you would have no one blocked on Twitter if that was it. Yeah, right? no one, right? Because you want your crit, so no one should. You want to feel the criticism, right? You want to because that's what free speech means as a private company, right? No. Uh, on the flip side, many worry that Elon could remove tools like we we're saying to curb hate speech, misinformation, harassment, and other harmful content. Yeah. Um, CFRA senior equity analyst Angelo Zeno said Monday that Twitter's board. Uh, more seriously considering Musk offer may have come from the board's realization that an alternative bid from a white knight may be difficult to come by, especially following the decline in asset prices from social media companies in recent weeks, which I would point to a Netflix or a Facebook as a pretty good example of that, or even a Spotify to a lot of extent because Spotify kind of has a social media aspect for it. Uh, CEO Parang Agwal has been the CEO only since... November after Jack Dorsey stepped down. Damn. And so, I wonder what Jack has to say about this. 
I think he said some things. I'll see if I can find out why we talk about it. But Agarwal has stands to make tens of millions of dollars on this deal after only being the CEO for a couple months now, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean that would what a time to what come a in and what out. a curveball, right? And like this man planned this apparently, <laughs> like how well this went for him. He held a well. I will say the CEO held a town hall with employees addressing the situation, trying to calm many employees who still have no idea what to expect. To very mixed results, a lot of them have no idea, and there's even clips of him being like, "That's more of an Elon question." Mm-hmm. So it seems everything's up in the air. This deal won't be finalized till the end of the year, so there is a lot of time before that for you know twitter to remain relatively the same transition but i don't know if they will start implementing changes a la elon because elon plans to take the company private yeah um like like private as in like not a public stock Oh. You cannot buy it on the stocking. So he's taking it off. Yes, he's taken because he has bought the company. Uh, to be honest, I mean, it's kind of sad. I I don't know this. I didn't so, know you could do that. Yes. So the idea is that if you are a public company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, we've seen labels go to this recently, like a Warner uh, and uh, Universal and all that kind of stuff. The idea is that people who are not associated with you you do not have to approve selling your stock basically they have the ability to buy and sell freely ownership gotcha. of your company um which is what elon did before when he bought 15 percent of it mm-hmm. um but now if he takes it private the only way you can vote to go private is that you need a majority i believe to basically approve it and most of the shares to i think you need almost all the shares basically so like it would be like if musk didn't own 100 percent of it he would need to you know if he had the 15 percent, he would have to get the other 85 percent to go let's go private mm. um so that's why he had to buy the company to go private and a lot of people theorize that he may be making the company go private and so that when it go and so he can make it go public again a couple of years later with a very inflated price Gotcha. So we do not know what he says. Uh, Agarwal will be allowed to will be allowed to like he's been speaking about it, but no one knows if he's allowed to stay. Basically, mm-hmm. they don't know if like someone else is going to become the CEO or what. And so everyone's up in the air about that, which kind of goes into why the employees are like, we don't understand what's going on. So uh, in his case, he was CEO, and then for like his since November, the, stock, the stockholders just were like, hey man, by the way. Uh, he's on the board too. Okay. So like, so he knew he was, in yeah. The and he has stock options. So he's making tens of millions of dollars off this. So deal. he probably doesn't care. I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if <laughs> I got fired honest. from being it other than also, maybe prestige, I just read that Jack Dorsey's getting almost a, like a billion, billion dollars. dollars from yes. This. Because he has what? Like 2% of the entire so thing. He's all about it. Looks like, well, well I, you know, as all about it as he could be basically, um, I mean, I'm sure he's about selling his shares, but I don't know if it's like happy for Jack Elon. Dorsey looks like he would work at like, I don't know, some sort of like, like urban uh, outfitters. Ur- no, some sort of like, like army surplus store. Oh, like a prepper store, <laughs> yeah. you know, where it's like, like honestly, when the world ends, these landmines that beard, will defend man. your property. Yeah. He's, he's got just a great beard. Scary now. looking. I'm not going to lie. I had no offense, Jack. I so, just, 
Oh, you know who said offense, though? Musk, to, about Agarwal specifically, which is why people are worried that uh, he might not be the CEO anymore. Musk has previously tweeted a meme comparing Agarwal to former Soviet leader Joseph Stalin. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, a one-to-one comparison. And Musk has also said in his offer letter to buy Twitter that he, quote, does not have confidence in management. Uh-huh. So I don't know if he's going to stay so, there, but he's getting a tens yeah. of millions of dollars parachute for a couple months of probably stressful work. But seems yeah, pretty good to me. Yeah, what a great situation Literally, for him. slide in and get, get out. Get the fuck out, yeah. man. So I asked people about this issue because people are going nuts with it. Uh, some people, if you're like more of an Elon bro who believe that he brings a lot of innovation or something like that, are very excited for obvious reasons. Um, others are very skeptical. And then others are very much anti this entire idea. Yeah. So I asked people on Twitter and Instagram what they thought about this or specifically Musk wanting to change Twitter a lot. And here's what I did. We actually, Twitter got a lot of votes this time. So I separated the poll of Twitter. Mm -hmm. I was going to cover this story because when I was writing it up before I had to put a bunch of updates to it, Musk had been basically leaked to, you know, they say, hey, we're actually seriously considering Elon Musk buying our company. Yeah. So I was just going to talk about it in the hypothetical because it seemed like it was a real possibility. And then hours later it happened. But that point, I put a Twitter poll out, the first one on Twitter, and I said, does Twitter need to be frantically changed? And I, you know, put the regular hashtags. And 57% said yes, and 43% said no. I put that for a day, so it's been locked. Mm-hmm. But the week when I put on there, I asked the same question again, same poll. Does Twitter need to be frank, frantically changed? And 83% of people said yes, and 17% said no, after Elon was officially buying the company. Interesting. Which I thought was really interesting to watch people who change who have voted on the poll, you know, basically. Yeah. Um, and then on Instagram, Instagram seemed to be a little bit different from Twitter because obviously being on the platform that is that I'm doing the poll on, obviously have expertise in the platform immediately. So I could see why Instagram had very different opinions. Does Twitter need to be dramatically changed? I said, uh, Yes, 22% said that, and no, 78%. So completely opposite spectrum, Mm -hmm. which is crazy to me. So I guess my question to you, Joe, we have been mostly, what, in the last year, really using Twitter for the first time? We didn't really use it, but now we've been using it. Yeah, you definitely are much more Twitter-oriented than I am, but I I have gotten kind of back into it right um what, I think, what do you think do you think that twitter needs fundamental change it has been in this stagnant place on the internet in for a minute for yeah. a long time not going up or I, down really i feel like people consider a company dying if it's not growing exponentially exponentially and i feel like that's an unrealistic look at business to be honest um but i also I also feel like people are very angry at the culture of Twitter almost like this. The, to be honest, Twitter is one of the most loose moderated platforms out there. I so you feel think like. it's hilarious that he's saying I, about I free think it's speech? hilarious that, that they're doing this. Like, can, do you remember like when there, there was active misinformation on Twitter, literally 
for years. <laughs> and it wasn't until the January 6th riot that Twitter had to Twitter, take a step back. Twitter finally did something. And mostly because the United States government was going and looking at stuff and going, a lot of these ideas originated on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. And so, like, you know, obviously Twitter wants to separate itself as far away from Facebook as possible. But I do think, like, th- there's there's this weird fandom over Twitter. There's, like, you're either, like, so into Twitter that it's, like, in your bloodstream, dude. Yeah. And it's, like, I feel like Facebook is a bit, to be honest, it's, like, people are into Facebook, especially older people. But it's, like, you know, they, they shut it off at some point. So <laughs> here's why I think that is. So in the terms of social media space, right, all of it is, let's go to the media part of it. Yeah. It's different forms of media. Um, and I think that Twitter has done an excellent job at capitalizing on one form of media. For instance, let me go through this. TikTok took the place of what Vine was and felt fresh and new to people because it was short form video content. Yeah. Right? YouTube is kind of on the same spectrum, but it's long-term content compared to TikTok. That is, I mean, a five minute video is five times longer than most TikToks. Mm -hmm. So that's their kind of balance in the ecosystem. I would say the same is equivalent to maybe an Instagram with photos specifically, even though they want to be a video company, but they have their little place in there. Facebook has been kind of on the L for a while, but has a lot of global power with WhatsApp and all this kind of stuff. And so it's kind of tries to be the best of everything. So it's not really a king of everything. And then there's Twitter and Reddit. Twitter is short form text content and other media. And Reddit is long form content and other media, Mm -hmm. but with an emphasis on text as opposed to video and audio specifically. So that's why I think that Twitter has a nice little niche in being that short form content based on text. Yeah. And so that's the main thing that I'm worried about in terms of if we do dramatic change to Twitter is are you going to lose the reason that people are like so viral with Twitter? Well, I mean, it's like, to be honest, it's why Instagram has been losing Users is one of, I mean, Instagram was losing users to TikTok anyways because Instagram wasn't revitalizing a lot of their, um, the original ideas of Instagram and people, the reason people got into it. And so instead they decided to copy TikTok and just show TikTok on Instagram and people are leaving in droves. Which people, and it's funny because it's kind of been proven that it seems that Instagram has been making an active effort to stop TikTok rips over to Instagram, basically. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're if you're a TikToker, you know now at this point that like, Don't if you have a watermark, yeah, yeah, if you have a watermark of TikTok on there, it's getting it's getting plummeted in the views. But that's that's I don't know, man. Like, I just think these these social media companies are so desperate to make money at this point, um, and you know that. To be, they they might have been feeling the sinking ship. Well, a little that's bit. exactly what that white knight argument is about. Yeah, and I definitely think that we we can talk about that too. This tech bubble that's very synonymous which, with the dot com boom of the two thousands, which makes you really think: Was this a really good investment to make, Elon? <laughs> now, is yeah. this a good idea to really blow 
what is it, $44 billion? Instead of maybe funneling that into public works or even your own company that seems to be, you know, like it's high earning, but who knows if it's going to be high earning three years from yeah, now. And you know he, what I mean? I, I think that for him personally, it is because him taking, he, he's playing with scarcity. Him yeah. taking the company private is a huge deal. If it was just public, I would be like, oh, I don't know about this Elon. But essentially, what I think he's trying to do, and I've seen a lot of people talk about, uh, one great person who also has a great podcast, but we like trillionaire mindset, Ben Kahn on Twitter said this too, is that he's going to take the company private, creating scarcity. You know, people who want to go into Twitter, Elon already has, you know, a very big following behind him and is a personality in himself for mm -hmm. like new age technology and all this kind of stuff. He's going to keep it, maybe do some changes, whatever. But the point is of it being not on the market when it reopens, it will probably open for more money than he bought it for. And that would and be the most sell, sell, sell baby. And we'll see if he decides to play the longer game with it or the shorter game. Like he could sell and go, okay, well, you know, when I bought it for $54 and 20 cents and we reopened two years later, um, it was selling for $70. I'll get out right now. Or if he's like, well, people still like me. I'm very enigmatic. So let's hold on and maybe it'll go up to like $100. But that's yeah. kind of the risk of the game. And so going in the tech bubble stuff, it's like that's what I think is huge about the tech bubble is that. At the end of the day, I think, especially now with even more people that are into financial stuff, people are realizing that stocks and companies are based on faith, like yeah. in it. And that's what powers it. Um, now, part of that is their products, but specifically with tech companies, part of it is just future. Like the idea of what can this thing do in the future? Mm -hmm. And like, is it beyond my understanding kind of stuff? Because these people who are really smart social engineers, computer engineers will figure out something that I had no idea would be actually really big. Do you think that since he bought Twitter, Grimes's next record is going to be like, like front page <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> on no. every Twitter circle. <laughs> oh, what are they called? I'm, Twitter circles. Oh yeah. And the, yeah, the Twitter circles that nobody uses on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of the, I, I guess that is one thing I will say is that if they decide as a company to like really be like, yeah, there's a lot of things on Twitter that no one cares about, uh, like such as a Twitter blue or a yeah. Twitter spaces or, or any the of those. NFT or the NFT thing. The, like, what is it? Octagon or is it polygon? Hexagon. Hexagon? Thank you. You oh, plebeian. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, no. Uh, so that's what I'm saying is like, I would like it to be a point for the company to go, you know, we're restarting. Maybe let's see what we did well and we'll see what we didn't do well. Mm -hmm. But I hope it's not just like a throw the whole book out because I do think that Twitter was literally the definition of just stagnant. I don't think it was like really dying. But I don't think also that people are like, thank God, everybody needs to make a Twitter right now. Yeah. So like, I think they need to find that balance of it when it comes to new features and stuff. And I hope that for a platform that I generally like, that it's not just a giant stock move at the end of the day to drain money out of a company. It all it always is, Colin. So I don't know. We'll move. have to see if he's actually supporting free speech 
which uh, private uh-huh. companies technically don't have to do. Yeah, Elon. And probably Elon's a huge won't. Free, free speech. I'm man. telling you, man, if he has people blocked on Twitter, you've already defeated your purpose of this whole argument. Why can't you just say, hey, I think Twitter's cool. We want to make it better. Why does it have to be this whole free no, speech it, argument? Colin, he's the savior of the world who said he was going to give money to end world yeah, hunger, and, he that and then he random, didn't. And then he called that random diver a pedophile for some yeah. reason. <laughs> if you guys remember that, back when those kids were Oh my were God, that was OG. That's Elon like when we first French. started really hearing about Elon as like a celebrity, as people were like, this guy just was like, he used to be part of PayPal and stuff. Oh my God, I forgot to mention, there. I couldn't find it, but this is great Onion article, and it goes, Elon Musk to be added to the founders of Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's bad. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury 
with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Joe, what have you been listening to this week? Oh, man. I've been listening to a lot of different stuff. I have been listening a lot to an artist named Choker, which I'm pretty sure I said in the last episode. But I've been addicted to uh, his album, Honey Bloom, which is a great album. You should definitely check it out. My favorite song on there is uh, Suzuki Peaches. Um, it's very hipster. It's I hated this record when I first listened to it, but it's experimental R&B, and it just like adds a lot of... It just gets just stuck so in your much. head, doesn't it? Yeah, it gets stuck in your head, and then you're like, why is it stuck in my head right now? And then you keep listening to it, and you're like, you find new things in the production, and you're mm-hmm. like, this is insane. So he he's a lot like Dijon, which... Honestly, I've been listening a lot to Dijon this week with uh, his album, Absolutely. Is it Dijon or is it Dijon? Like Dijon, the mustard. Dijon. Tomato, tomato, tomato. tomato. I'm sure someone's you know. going to be like, you plebeian, it comes from the Dijon region of France. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I've also been listening to Jim Croce as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Love, love uh, You Don't Mess Around With Jim, that record. And uh, I don't know, like just... Such a founder in songwriting, you can really see his influence on just about every single songwriter. I cannot believe I actually got that right. It is based on the town Dijon in Burgundy, France. Yeah. Damn. There you go. Jeopardy wow. question right there. That's insane. I, I literally just put that out of my ass. I literally went, oh, it's a French name. Uh, yeah. Anyway. I actually don't listen to Dijon the artist. I just listen to the mustard. Just, just the falling mustard. out of the... 
the it was in my discover weekly yeah it really was it was just the heinz they were like we we know you like dijon so here you go here's like a gray poupon coming out of a cup um (laughs) god Uh, sounds great i've been listening to speaking of like kind of that 70s songwriter vibe i've been listening to my one of my favorites again my little pony my little pony nightcore uh sped up uh no uh so i've been listening to harry chapin which uh, Harry Chapin, if you don't know, is the guy that does the, the not ki- the Harry Styles leak, Colin. Leak? Yeah. Oh, the record got leaked. You don't listen to it? No. Oh well, shit. I got <laughs> my hopes up. I'm sure it. I'm sure it's great. I am not the biggest Harry Styles fan. I think he's really cool, but I just have never vibed with his music as it's much. Okay. I think his live band is really cool. Like there's a one where he does. Um, sledgehammer by peter gabriel yeah, Howard yeah. Stearns, cool. and like it was like incredibly good i think they're very good at the covers that i've seen i've just never like hit his songwriting as much for me yeah that's a lot but of people's like, qualm with yeah I, I mean anyway not to be like this is an anti-harry podcast now no uh i was listening to harry chapin pro harry podcast and uh harry chapin if you don't know is the guy that does cats in the cradle you know, oh, I thought you were going to say Cats the Musical. He does Cats the Musical. He directed Jason Derulo. Oh, nice. Uh, no, uh, no, he does the Cats in the Cradle song, you know, the cats in the cradle in the sill, you know, my little boy turning to man. Anyway, yeah, it's so, the weirdest song ever. I, I, it. It, I mean, it's it, it's pretty good. I mean, it's about <laughs> aging and, like, you know, your your children aging or whatever. But, like, he's very singer-songwriter. He actually has a really good – he died tragically. Um, I believe he was hit in a car wreck. In oh, like wow. 1980, uh, but he died and like he has a charitable foundation called the Harry Chapin World. Fa- he was very against uh, like uh, famine and hunger in the world, and so they do all that. They're still around. They do a lot of crazy stuff like that helps a lot of people out. Whereas Elon Musk is pro hunger. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> he never said he was. He never said he was anti hunger. So no, he's pro hunger. Oh my god. Sorry. Uh, so continue. he, yeah, Harry Chapin. I was listening to Sniper and other love songs, which Whoa. is uh, it's intense. It's uh, okay. So here it gets more intense. So he does long songs, which actually was like the uh, playlist of the week for the newsletter last week. I just had a bunch of long songs on there. Mm-hmm. One of them I put on there is Sniper. Sniper is this real story of this guy who, in the early or in the late sixties, uh, in Austin, Texas. He got up there with a sniper rifle. And it was at it was shooting. a University of Texas, right? I think so, in Austin. Yeah. Um, but he got up there and he started shooting people from the bell tower. Yeah, and he and was up there all day. No, yeah, and no one knew what to do. Like they because at that point, an idea of an active shooter just shooting was unheard of. Yeah. Like not like not like a robbery, nothing. Like so the whole point of the song is it kind of takes you through the idea of his psyche. And the idea of like him showing how he's been destroyed by society and feels the right, you know, righteous nature to finally be heard by killing people. And then it like cuts back to like, you know, his trauma as a child. It's all like fictionalized, but it's based on the story. And then he like, and then it cuts to him actually, you know, shooting people. And then it cuts to like, you know, the police trying to figure out what they should do, how they're going to go up there, you know, and everything. Cause they didn't have SWAT back then. It was just like a sheriff, you know what I mean? And yeah. like a couple cops. So it's, re- it's a 10 minute song, but it's like really thematic, which is what I like about Sounds it. Sounds like a movie. I, dude, it is so good. It is like you, you like, 
it, it is like a giant crescendo the entire time. And the instruments and the arrangements are really interesting because he does himself acoustic guitar, uh, a piano, uh, his bass, uh, bass and a bass player who sings really good falsetto. Mm-hmm. And then he has a, uh, a cello player with him. And that was kind of like his whole, and he also sings falsetto. <laughs> yeah, I guess he does. Yeah, no, he probably does. But like, yeah. And then he has a cello player play with him. So it's like this weird little quartet that he would like, or Quintin, cause he has drums too, that he would like perform with. So yeah, it's, it's, he does very auto, like very like, biographical kind of songs that are usually longer that are like big stories, but that's what folk music is, is stories. Yeah. So if you like, if you like kind of like being taken on like a journey where you're like listening to every word being like, Oh, what's next in the story? That's what it is. Speaking of journey, my favorite band, the wheel in the sky keeps on turning. I'm sorry, journey fans. I don't like that song. It's they got the a best couple song good songs. in the world. What are you talking about? We literally went camping this every weekend. time I listen to music. It's just that song. <laughs> That's all Spotify. My Spotify <laughs> Discover Weekly is just <laughs> five. Wheel in the sky. It's that wheel sounds the, like Colin's personal hell. Wheel Earth. in the sky, journey. Wheel in the sky, live at uh, the you know, at li- Wimberley, live at Wimb- <laughs> <laughs> Wimbledon. You know, and all this kind of stuff. Live at Wimbledon. No, that's not what it is. Yeah, I can't remember. Wimbledon? Who knows? Someone tell us about it. Fucking what is it? God damn it. Yeah, who knows? Wimbley, maybe. I think is what it is. Wimbledon is the tennis game, and (laughs) Wimbley is the stadium. Like, Thanks for listening. Guys, thanks for listening to the Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcast. We do appreciate it. Joe, show your appreciation for the peoples. Okay, first off, an audio clapping does not sound good. Oh, that's even worse. Oh, God. All right. Well, anyway, we got this. We got the newsletter. We got the socials at the Biz Tape. Everything under the sun. And if you want to do us a favor to more applause, please rate us. It sounds like the hand clappers that you've been begging for. <laughs>
Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.